what AFC South team should you be avoiding in fantasy football going forward? Who is the correct Tampa Bay Buccaneer to play in the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge? And how do you decide the highest-scoring receiver for the Steelers in the playoffs? Plus, Andrew Burrows and Larry Bent will drop by to talk about how they turned their first ever and only Football Guys Players Championship team into the runner-up in this year's competition, as well as who they are targeting and fading in the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge this weekend. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. HSFF Hour listeners. Uh, remember to check out the Quiet Hollers music at quiethollers.com. And greetings and salutations to all of the Balkaholics, all of the Ferreliacs listening in tonight. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, thank you so much for popping aboard with me on this Friday. Happy New Year. How's 2021 treating you so far? So far, so good, Balkan. We get into wild card weekend, and uh, it's great to be back talking football with you. So this, I, I guess we, you can't answer this question, neither can anybody, because we've never seen the super wild card weekend before um, where we get back to back mm. triple headers. Um, normally the divisional round, I, I think is, is really the creme de la creme because you get, um, you know, essentially seven hours of football and back to back days with the eight best teams in the league playing. You think super wild card weekend is going to be better than the divisional round next year or this year, or is it too early to tell? Too early to tell. Well, we got some intriguing matchups. I don't think a lot of people can figure out what's going on at with Seattle and Los Angeles. We'll know a little more about it when the uh, correct quarterbacks get announced. Uh, people are polarized about uh, what's going to happen in Washington. Uh, they they oh, yeah. talk about how offense, how the Washington offense can't keep track with. Uh, with Tom Brady, but yet uh, everyone knows that that defense can might move Brady off his spot, and we'll talk more about that later. So these games are, uh, you know, these games are very compelling with with a lot of uh, with a lot of favorites uh, playing at home. That's what they earned, and I just think it's I think the fascinating matchup that everyone would like to see next week is, is your Packers uh, hosting uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. So it's. Uh, uh, it, 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 it will get better probably every week, Balky. That's my default yeah. answer. Yeah, well, and, you know, usually you're right because usually it does get progressively better. This is just the appetizer that we get tomorrow. It just happened to, it happens to be uh, six appetizers shared by the table. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, all weekend long. Coming up on tonight's show, before we get to the weekend of football, we're going to hash out, as Farrell mentioned, how Jared Goff's thumb uh, should either should sway you uh, in your football playoff or your FFPC playoff challenge thinking, and which tight end not named Travis Kelsey you should look at locking in your lineups in the contest. Plus, the 2020 Football Guys Players Championship runners-up, Andrew Burrows and Larry Bent, are going to swing in here in about 10 minutes or so. They're going to talk about how they came just short of a half-million-dollar payday. They're going to give some advice on how you can crush this year's playoff challenge and more. Shout-out to the chat room right now. we got a couple of Kentucky guys hanging out in there. Well, I guess Wasp guys, uh, Kentucky and uh, FFPC. But, and so is Kevin Williamson, by the way, Bourbon City Ballers, uh, both hanging out in the chat room right now. Always good to see those no, guys. No, we're exclusively claiming both those guys, Balky. 
we're, we're oh, you are okay. All right, so, maybe, yeah, so, we're, we're, so we're, you you get them tonight. That's that's fine. We're we're um, claiming them. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I love it. Uh, you can uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at HSFFR. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman, and don't forget. Uh, to follow the aforementioned Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship on Twitter at KFFSC or check out the website at KFFSC.com. Farrell runs a really good organization right there. Facebook.com uh, slash HSFFOR is where you can reach us. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA if you want to give us a call tonight. And don't forget the inbox, football at gmail.com. My best friend Bryce and our audio engineer, uh, our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, I should say, and as well as our producer and our mutual friend Rob, monitoring that inbox. They'll uh, get those emails to us uh, before we sign off and, and let you enjoy the super wild card weekend tonight. Uh, a couple of notes before we get tonight's show started. I do want to remind everybody uh, that the world famous FFPC playoff challenge is probably going to close, I would say, tomorrow morning. We are running, I, in fact, just as we started the show, we finally uh, went over 90% capacity in that. So 619 uh, teams left. There's, there's going to be a bunch that sell out overnight. Uh, early in the morning, we'll, we'll probably be down to a couple hundred. And remember, an early kickoff this year at 105 Eastern time. You don't get till 335 on Saturday afternoon to get in on that. So make sure you're getting your team, not only getting your teams in early, uh, but setting those lineups in time uh, so you can have a chance at a half-million-dollar grand prize and a nearly $1.1 million prize pool. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Football Guys Playoff Challenge is sold out. Thank you very much. Somebody just won $100,000 in that competition. And Dynasty Orphans are available at myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale. If you go to that link, you're going to see all the teams that are available. You're going to see who's on those teams, and you're going to see what picks are on there. Plus, uh, the wheeling and dealing Dizzle, he might have already lowered the price on some of those teams right now, so you can get yourself a good deal on that. Uh, fourth place overall in the FFPC main event this year is Mike Edelman. He was on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown with me this week. Uh, that podcast is at rotoviz.com slash podcast. Some good advice there, not only on the playoff challenge, but for 2021 drafts and how Mike built a juggernaut this year, starting with four straight running backs. Uh, he gets into the philosophy of that, how often he does it. Uh, a lot of good stuff in there from Mike Edelman. All right, let's get into the show here tonight. Thanks to Football Guys, Draft Sharks, Rotor World, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Alvin Kamara, speaking of juggernauts, uh, he actually tweeted yesterday, see y'all Sunday. Now, remember, uh, this is some interesting stuff here. Kamara cannot rejoin the Saints at all before Sunday morning, which is obviously game day between the Saints and the Bears at 4.40 p.m. Eastern time that day. Apparently, he's been practicing virtually. Uh, Adam Schefter reported that he's been uh, re- uh, participating in practice, quote, remotely via TVU Networks technology. Kamara has uh, something called a transceiver and a live video decoder. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure out, you know, to, to figure out what's going on there. But Sean Payton is actually mic'd up so he can speak directly to Kamara, um, have him not only get mental reps, but actually physical reps, go through his uh, plays and uh, get him ready as if he was actually practicing with the team. Now, Kamara still has to keep testing negative uh, for COVID-19, but it certainly seems like he is going to be playing in this uh, game against the Bears. Farrell, if you're submitting an FFPC playoff challenge lineup, how much trepidation would you have by putting Kamara in there, knowing that there's a very realistic chance that not only um, could he not play this weekend, but if the Saints get upset, boom, he gets a zero for you in the whole playoff challenge. I'm not going to be too concerned about that because I don't believe the Saints will be upset. Milwaukee, you know, can you imagine that locker room? What a, a welcome response all the guys would have when he when he struts in there and is ready for business on uh, on game day. That's that's going to be that's just going to take those guys through the roof. Uh, you know, you go back to Week Eight, uh, nine catches, ninety six yards in that game versus uh, versus the Bears, sixty seven yards rushing. A very clean game for Kamara. He did not find the end zone uh, in that game. I expect him to this weekend. So naturally, of course, I expect him to play. I expect him to do very, very well. As a matter of fact, there may be a push for a lot of players to practice virtually after we see what uh, Kamara does after this week uh, against the Bears. You know, the Bears are without uh, Monkey Roquan Smith. We do believe that he won't play. Uh, we've talked about next man up football. All fall, one of my favorite guys, Joe Niwe from Western Kentucky University, will take the field in Smith's uh, absence, and he'll be chasing Alvin Kamara. What a great way to get your first start in the NFL. Uh, he's the uh, 
he's, he's a pride of South Warren High School in Bowling Green, uh, Kentucky, and uh, he's a graduate of Western Kentucky. And uh, you know, this this Bears defense is not uh, is not so bad when they're in man defense. They're terrible when they're in the zone. And so, if you have to man up and, and you're the one linebacker responsible for chasing Kamara, that's a long day. Um, but yeah. Let's hope he plays. If he doesn't play, and for what we have going on in the great playoff challenge, you've taken a risk, but your uh, your risk will be uh, rewarded to you again next week because everybody knows that Kamara can give you two, if not three weeks of points in one game. And I think the Saints yeah. will be playing next week. Yeah, no, I think you're right uh, on that for sure. And, I, you know, me personally, I, I have no problem starting Kamara uh, in this playoff challenge even not knowing if he's going to play because I got to submit my lineup locks on Saturday. I'm still playing him, uh, no question. Um, to a team of, that is in the playoffs, to a team that is not in the playoffs this year, Farrell, let's talk about the Houston Texans here. A bit of news here. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported that Deshaun Watson is upset over uh, the uh, Texans' hiring process for their new GM, Nick Casario, and apparently has not spoken to the team in the last few days. Adam Schefter also piggybacked on this, saying that Watson actually met with Cal McNair, who is the owner of the Texans, talked about um, representing a, a handful of players on the team and, and shared some uh, ideas on, on which of the candidates that he would recommend. And uh, the front office told him that he's going to have some input. But um, he, uh, he was apparently kept completely out of uh, the conversation and uh, found out about their new hire on Twitter. Um, Watson also, if you remember, did not know anything about the DeAndre Hopkins trade uh, last offseason. And now you look at, at the Texans, Farrell, this, this upcoming year. You know, yes, they still have Watson for now. Um, they, they don't have any long-term answers in, in the backfield. They, they have Will Fuller as a free agent. They're probably going to sign him. But right now he's not, not under contract. And, and you have Brandon Cooks there, uh, who actually came on quite a bit at the end of the season. J.J. Watt's getting up there. They don't have a – they have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I don't know, like, from a fantasy perspective, is this just a team to fade right now um, in, in 2021 drafts that, that you just – you got to – they're like, you know, a step – maybe a step and a half above the Jets right now. How do you look at this Houston Texans team for fantasy? Is it best just to stay away? You monitor what Watson will do, and you expect him to uh... – come back. Uh, I love the term professional athlete. So Watson, uh, if we talk about quarterbacks that I want to look at next year, he is my guy. And he has um, he has he uh, flourished in the situation of having very little to work with and in all the confusion that this organization has presented. And he has continued to be a, uh, a great fantasy player, great football player. He, uh, top three in, in most of the important passing categories last year. Now, that this will get straightened out. Uh, you know, and Balky, you and I could talk about this this one all night. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you this, you know, from an agent's perspective uh, and knowing how things work with this team, uh, if I was representing uh, the general manager, uh, uh, if I was representing Nick, well, one of the things that I would have done was say, let's let's call uh, let's call Watson's agent. Let's get Watson on the phone. Let's go into the uh, let's go into the interview with the fact that you've already talked to uh, the, the primary player in the face of the organization. You know, they, uh, Texans have guaranteed 111 million dollars of this contract on a $177 million deal. So I don't think anybody would say, well, you know, you're talking to your players before you have the job. I don't think anybody would complain about that. So uh, the quarterback uh, didn't get consulted. You know, that hurts your feelings when you're told, uh, we're going to, we value your opinion. We want you to be part of this. We, you, there's some initial commentary. He gets invested in it. And then, then he sees it on Twitter. So I can understand his response and all of that could have been handled. Uh, you know, one of the things I read today is that uh, they hired a, a special uh, a search committee to also help them with the situation, and uh, Casario's name wasn't even on it. And huh. uh, they're still hiring. And this is a guy they tried to hire a couple years ago before we got into a tampering situation. Now, uh, Casario's a very, very solid football guy. And, and in, in my dealings with him, I've always enjoyed talking with him. And I think he and Watson 
uh, I think he and Watson will relate well together, but it's going to take some time to repair that. And then the last thing I'll say about it is, is man, uh, you know, just one more Patriot. But these guys that own these teams, uh, they're going to give a lot of lip service to different kind of things, and they all want to win, but they all want to win in the way they want to do it. And this organization has surrounded itself with uh, Vrabels and O'Briens and Cornells and, you know, uh, Easterby, all these names that have come through New England. And for some reason, they're dedicated to that. So uh, it, it's uh, it's a fascinating story that keeps monitoring. But uh, Watson's a pro. He'll be there and he'll deliver. And, and we haven't heard the last of this. This is there's going to be much yeah. much more on this Texan stuff as as we go on through the off season for them. Hey, we have Andrew Burrows and uh, Larry Ben coming up in just one minute here. The last thing I want to get to before we talk to the runners up in the Football Guys Players Championship is something that Farrell uh, talked about right at the top of the show. Andrew Siciliano actually tweeted this out. Uh, Sean McVay would not say whether Goff is is going to play or not, whether he's going to start or not, and why would he? Quite frankly. He had the uh, the thumb mm-hmm. issue uh, ahead of the wild card game uh, against uh, Seattle. McVay said, "We are going to work through that, and we will see on Saturday. So we'll find out tomorrow." You got to wonder if McVay's already made up his mind. Um, McVay did say that uh, Goff uh, did not have um, any issues on Wednesday. He did everything he was supposed to yesterday. The LA Times actually said that Goff didn't have any issue or that they could see gripping the ball or, or throwing it yesterday in practice as well. Goff says. He's moving around while doing better, and uh, he hasn't had, had any problems getting the, the snaps from center. So it certainly seems like he is going to play, Farrell, knowing what we know now with, uh, with Jared Goff. Is this at all changing what you would do with your playoff challenge lineups when it comes to Cam Akers, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, or any of the like? Yeah, it, it's difficult because when you think about the Rams, you think of one thing the defense is going to show up big. You go back to November 15th, uh, I've been a Rams proponent this entire year, Balky, and, and that game, uh, 23-16, Rams victory, I had people call me say, Pharaoh, I'm a believer in the Rams too. And then immediately, in the nightmare before and immediately after Christmas playing the Jets and Seahawks in the rematch, um, everybody jumped ship. Uh, and, and, you know, sure, uh, golf, I I don't get very excited about golf, but I would not be uh, thrilled to be going in with a, a limitedly experienced Walford to play to play quarterback for me either. It seems like, and, and Balky, correct me if I'm wrong, but golf just rarely sees to hit a rhythm, and and even when he does, the little rhythm that he has, Seattle always seems to take it away from him. So, you know, down in distance, big runs, a couple of beneficial calls. Uh, that's how uh, that's how the Rams are going to win this game in advance. But I never see the Rams putting a lot of points on the board for you. So, yes, I'm probably fading some of the Rams players. I, I don't know if it's a team I would ignore, but, you know, put that defense into play, uh, perhaps put the kicker into play. Whichever quarterback that plays will be very excited that Andrew Whitworth is back. Um, yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't think this is the kind of uh, matchups that the, that the Rams will have uh, through the playoffs that lead very well or lend itself very, very well for our contest. I think as football fans in general, I think we're all glad Andrew Whitworth is back. You know, I, I, I certainly <laughs> didn't think we'd see it. And, uh, you know, any more this season, maybe for the remainder of his career. But it's awesome to see that, that he's back there and, They'll be battling it out tomorrow. Rams uh, Seahawks uh, scheduled for a uh, uh, a three forty uh, excuse me four forty p.m. kickoff uh, from Seattle. Uh, let's bring in tonight's guests uh, tonight, Farrell. They are two childhood friends from the Midwest. God bless them. And the co-owners of the Virginia is for Lovers fantasy sports franchise. Over the last ten years, they've cashed more than thirty thousand dollars in bank some more by being the second place finishers in the 2020 football guys players championship please welcome on to the high stakes fantasy football hour mr andrew burrows and mr larry bent guys a happy new year and thanks for coming on board with us tonight hey happy, happy new, new year, year thanks for having us guys 
Absolutely. We want to, uh, we're going to talk fantasy football. We're going to talk playoff challenge. I uh, always want to get a, a look inside uh, our guests' lives before we um, start getting the meat and potatoes of it. Andrew, can you let the listeners know uh, what you're doing for a living? And then, and then Larry, please, uh, after him, please chime in. Sure. Well, thanks for having us, guys. And I work in the uh, higher education field in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, right now, actually just doing a little bit of consulting on the side. So um, for the most part, full time, I've been watching my three-year-old son, Cam, uh, at home. So it's been a pretty crazy adventure over the last few months, uh, transitioning from uh, full-time work to consulting and watching my son. But it's been a blast. And uh, for me, I'm, I'm still out in the Midwest in Illinois. I'm uh, the owner-operator of BentwoodHomestead.com. Uh, make home decor, essential oil shelves, and custom furniture. I've got three little monsters running around that are hidden somewhere in the house right now, um, <laughs> and they take up all my time outside of work and fantasy football. That's awesome. Well, that's fantastic, guys. Uh, really good stuff. Always good to hear that. I I know uh, I have – well, I have a 7-year-old and a 5-year-old, so I don't chase them around uh, much anymore, <laughs> mostly because I can't catch up to them. Uh, and it's, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> Uh, COVID or whatever, <laughs> I, I'm not in the shape. I'm not in my fighting weight uh, anymore, so it's difficult for me to catch up to them. But always good to chase those little rugrats around. Um, Farrell, let, let, let's uh, kick it off. And, and I always like talking championship around here. These guys kind of came out of nowhere. You know, listening to them, I, I love the idea of the partnership. I want to get further into that and the fact that you guys uh, grew up together watched a lot of football and probably played a lot of football together. I, um, oh, yeah. you know, I log on to the FFPC site and, and I look at my, uh, my meager winnings, but it still makes <laughs> me feel good. And I, and you know, I, I look at it and it is depleting because every time I log on, I get another playoff team, which I would encourage you guys to do as well. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, when, when you guys were really – when you're looking at your what you accomplished this year, you're seeing a pretty good number up there. You're seeing a pretty healthy number, probably the most you've ever won in fantasy football. Uh, yeah, absolutely. How special that is to, to win it and win it together. And, and when did that sort of sink in that that was going to be a reality for you this year? Uh, that's a good well, question. Well, you know, I, yeah, and – I'll go ahead and jump in. Honestly, you know, we talked about it right after the draft. We were – I know Larry felt the same way. We were really confident about our team. Like, we we thought this was one of the best teams we ever drafted, honestly. Um, I know we just drafted one team, uh, but we loved the roster. So, we were super confident, but we knew, you know, it was going to be a really, really tough competition throughout the year. But um, I don't – I didn't look too much at the at our team average or at the standings. Ooh. Larry, I think, did that more than I did. Um, but, but we talked about the number 150 being our team average going into the championship round. And I think that's what, you know, Larry kind of had us marked and what we wanted to be at going into it. Um, and we were right around that mark. But we were still kind of far down. Uh, but after week 15, yeah, it, it definitely felt real to me. I know Larry and I talked on the phone and <laughs> – we're just like, man, I hope this thing goes to Monday night on week 16 and we got a shot with Diggs and Bass. And, you know, we were pretty sure. hyped up after, uh, after week 15. Good job. Yeah, as far as the friendship thing, though, that goes with that is, I mean, we're able to hold each other accountable very candidly, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> call out our fandom and stuff like that. So uh, you know, we, we've gotten better over the years at seeing some of our reoccurring mistakes because we point them out to each other and, um, every year, it, no matter where we're at, it seems like we're in the mix and that we've got a pretty good system for PPR leagues. But uh, this year, yeah, we, we we had all the right things happen at the right time. Yeah, you know, I'm just looking at this, too. Um, in your – you put up a 196, obviously, in in, uh, in week 16. So, Bass obviously only had the eight points. But, but Andrew, as you guys are watching this and, and Diggs catches one touchdown – he catches another touchdown and gets the third touchdown late. I mean, were you guys thinking like, do we have a, do we have a legit shot at 500 grand or was, was second place kind of what, what your ultimate goal was given that you finished, I think, what, 11 or 12 points behind a B-bag Batova, something like that. Yeah. And like, you know, it was a double-edged sword seeing Steph, Stephon catch all those pass, touchdown passes because we knew Josh Allen was lurking and we knew the the person who ended up winning had Josh Allen and, and Stefan Diggs. So uh, Josh Allen was, 
was slinging it around and uh, had a huge game. So I think we knew by halftime second place was probably where it was at, but Hey, I mean, (laughs) we were beyond satisfied with, uh, with the second place finish and we're more than happy watching Diggs rack up the touchdowns. Larry, let, let me ask you this. I want I want to go back to this draft. So just so everybody's aware, and I think I brought this up at the top of the show, but just so everybody's aware, this was Andrew and Larry's not only only team, sole team in the Football Guys Players Championship. It was their first ever Football Guys Playoff, uh, excuse me, Football Guys Players Championship team. So you guys have an incredible um, uh, bar to uh, to jump over next year for sure. Um, so this is a team. A lot of people think, oh, the, you know, these teams are all drafted in late August, early September. You guys drafted this one in June, way back in June. And you get David Montgomery in the third. You get Le'Veon Bell in the fourth as your top two running backs. Then you don't pick another running back until the 11th round in Philip Lindsay. You get Malcolm Brown late. You get Benny Snell late. So, so Larry, how concerned were you with your running back depth after the draft concluded, given that you guys are really happy with this team? We were very happy, but uh, I think very concerned is our typical word at the end of our drafts when it comes to running backs. Um, that's that's just kind of been one of those areas where it, there's so few elite running backs that if we're not in the top three or five picks, we almost write off picking a running back in the beginning. And and we live and die by the waiver wire after that. And it's worked for us. And it, again, you know, with Montgomery at least giving us one running back, um, Bell, was not a good call, but uh, we could talk about that a little bit later, I guess. But, um, you know, it, it we weren't concerned with our running backs because we've gotten comfortable with having bad running back drafts, if you will, and learning how to use scat backs and pick up, you know, players off the waiver wire as the season goes on to sort of survive on about a 10 to 12 point average for our running backs. Now, I wish, guys, I wish I could get comfortable with bad running back drafts. I just look at it and say, well, you went out and did it again, huh? You didn't, you didn't get enough running backs. And I, and I, you know, I, I drafted most of the guys that you're talking about here. And, and it's, uh, you know, so, so I want to unlock something because you've talked about how you guys work together uh, or, or how easy it, it's been to be together and you can kind of, uh, you, you can kind of uh, you, you don't have to pull any punches when you communicate. I want to talk about just a little bit further collaboration during the year. I talked to our, our one of our partners. We had, we had a partnership win here in Kentucky this year, um, and they already tell me they're headed for four teams in the FFPC next year. One of them paid for by us. So when they head that way next year, it'll be interesting to watch them play. And I think they have a unique way of collaborating during the season I, 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 and I'm wondering if, if your process leading to all this success if, if you're just shine a light on that for us and, and tell me you know who handles the free agency how do you, how do you talk on Wednesday and Friday night who handles the lineup does, does somebody have a certain task or do you communicate about everything during the week. Yeah, uh, we, 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 we communicate. Go ahead, Larry. Go ahead, bud. <laughs> no, no, see, we, we communicate throughout the week. I mean, we don't have necessarily one person that does one task. I will say the one area that Larry is specifically tasked with is uh, doing the bidding and the free and the waiver wire. I am just <laughs> atrocious at that part of the, of the, of the process. So he is, he's all in on that. Um, but outside of that lineups, who we're going to pick up um, we're in constant communication throughout the week. And, you know, um, if I have a second, uh, I'll shoot a message and say, Hey, you know, X, Y, Z might be hurt this week. You know, they got a quad, they got a hamstring. We got some contingency plans lined up. What are we going to do? Uh, so yeah, we're, we are ready to go by the time uh, the lineup is due. Um, we don't really have yeah. much, much left to talk about. Well, it helps too with you being out in Washington, and the Virginia area now we're in two separate parts of the country. It feels like we get a little bit more information. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but it just seems like he's bringing a lot more about, you know, Washington and, and some of those East coast teams uh, more than I remember hearing about when we first started this, you know, 10 years ago and he's living back in Illinois. So. Well, and, and everybody evolves, everything changes and, and you move at the speed of information. And certainly it helps you guys out quite a bit this year. Maybe you'd be, 
you know, help you out to a half million dollars next year. You never know. Um, there's only uh, one for. spot. Yeah. <laughs> one spot up, you can move for sure. Um, a guy that I think um, people are excited. Well, people were excited about uh, CD lamb this year. Um, and then when Prescott went down, obviously expectations uh, changed there. Now lamb was on your team here, Larry. Um, he really showed oh, yeah. out while, uh, while Dak Prescott obviously was slinging him the rock. Things changed when Andy Dalton took over and, um, it, it was not as good. How high would, do you think you guys would target him in drafts next season, given what you saw in his rookie year with Prescott? Um, and, and, and for the sake of this question, assume that Prescott sure. is indeed healthy, that Cowboys offensive line comes back healthy. How high does Lamb go? How, how high would you target him in drafts next year? Whew. I mean, it seems a little early, but, but I'll take a shot at this. Uh, I'd say anywhere between 11 and 15 if Dak's healthy is, is where he sits for the wow. wide receivers next year. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm definitely top 20 because it's not just about Dak. The team showed that they have a focus on getting him as a playmaker of the ball. So I don't think it really matters if Dak's in there or not for him to put up 10 to 15 points next year. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly with you guys. That, that's a top player for me, and I think he'll continue to move up those boards as we get towards as we get towards the draft. You know, you guys had a had a receiver, I believe you rostered uh, uh, Tyler Lockett this year, and you had some decisions to make as you approached um, as you approached Week 16. We, we mentioned the Rams and Seattle matchup, and this one came out in Week 16 in favor of Seattle. But even with that, Tyler Lockett was limited to three catches in that game, and. and uh, uh, Noah Fan, I understand, might have been another decision for you, and and, <laughs> and uh, Noah Fan closed the year and closed it well with six catches. How do you when when you sit down? I think that's a, a very very tough decision to to play Lockett over a fan, and I don't know how often you did it, but uh, tell us a little bit about how you use to break players apart. As you approach uh, as you approach game day, and, and Balky says, if you think long, you think wrong. When do you guys put your lineup in and say, okay, we're done. No more fooling <laughs> around with the lineup. No more tampering with it. No more late breaking news. No more nonsense. Or are you guys turning uh, uh, the lineup uh, between noon and, and the one o'clock Eastern kickoff? Yeah, okay. yeah what you time know, is kickoff. <laughs> right. Well, you know, this, I feel like we took that decision week 16 kind of up to the, to the end. Usually we're, we've got a pretty a good idea unless something drastic happens. Um, what's funny about that week, week 16 decision though, was it really went, went, went down uh, with, you know, had the COVID issue. Um, our first discussion was actually Noah Fant versus CeeDee Lamb. Um, mm-hmm. And th- there was, we, we kind of had penciled in already so we actually had a, a large conversation about Noah Fant versus CeeDee Lamb um, and, and ultimately I, uh, in, the, in the end my, my three-year-old son actually went ahead and picked CeeDee Lamb for us um, pulled a rabbit out of his hat and, and took and decided for us because we were kind of going back and forth um, you know it's funny about Lockett you know we I, I think we felt pretty good about Lockett I know he'd been struggling um, he got so much boom potential. Um, he really showed out a couple of weeks, and we just kind of figured with Jalen Ramsey kind of all over DK, um, that might open him up a little bit more um, in that game. But it just it was just kind it of didn't. an ugly one. Uh, it didn't, yeah. Uh, so it didn't work out, but we I think we were pretty confident in it. We, we well, tried to with, focus uh, on being with, consistent. Yeah, that that was uh, Lockett was a consistent pick, and one of the mistakes that we've made in the past was was getting a little too jumpy and and, and taking a consistent player out for somebody we thought had a chance at a bigger week, and so we we stuck with Lockett even though that was a discussion after we settled on CD. It was it was Lockett and Fant, and we went with Lockett, and well, it didn't end up being the best play, but it still worked out. Yeah, yeah, no, I two I good get players it. Sure. on the team. With... Yeah. We are, we're talking with Andrew Burroughs and Larry Bent, the uh, runners-up in the 2020 Football Guys Players Championship, taking home a $30,000 payday for their efforts this year. Um, uh, one of the um, uh, receivers we were talking about in the chat room here with uh, uh, Kevin Williamson here, he wants to know who's, who next year Stephon Diggs is going to be with, uh, with the receiver moving to a, to a new team. 
Um, I did not have any shares of Diggs because I was really worried um, about, um, you know, the previous history we've seen with a lot of receivers going to a new quarterback, a new OC, a new offense, new head coach, and struggling in the first year. That did not happen with Stephon Diggs uh, at all. He led the league in receiving yards. I believe he led the league in catches uh, as well. How many uh, receivers would you draft ahead of him in, in 2021, Andrew, given not only what he did this year, but you guys had a front row seat for it with him leading your team all the way up to second place? Yeah, you know, it's hard to not be a prisoner of the moment with Stephon Diggs. Um, so I, I think if I looked at it for next year, honestly, uh, Diggs, is, Diggs and Devontae Adams are, are neck and neck for me. Um, I probably would not draft anybody ahead of Stephon Diggs, although maybe with a, an actual offseason uh, for Hopkins and Kyler Murray, and Hopkins had a great year, but maybe with a, with a full offseason, he's just going to be even better next year. Um, that's possible. And we'll see what Green Bay does because uh, they need somebody else from a receiver standpoint. So we'll see what they do uh, if they add anybody with Devontae. But yeah, Diggs is, I mean, I think Diggs is going to be pretty consistent with Josh. And they seem to have a pretty good uh, rapport. Um, so I don't think I'd rank anybody ahead of Stefan Diggs at the moment. I will say, um, I think in a couple of years, we're going to be talking honestly about Justin Jefferson as being the, the first receiver you pick and, and probably very short order. But uh, next Ooh. year, I definitely would, would say Diggs is probably the guy we're, you'd want to target first. Oh, Balky, well, I, I love that. from I love that from Kevin Williamson because, you know, Kevin wants top information. He wants to know who next year's <laughs> digs is. He's not fooling around uh, with, with, any, with any middle of the road question. Uh, and and uh, good for Kevin. You know, he's a good, good excellent player. A great question. I, I should have, we, we all should have known. This player left Minnesota to be the number one guy, and he made a strong choice, and he went to where he could play. You know, guys, there were so many players in the draft this year that that I felt were going to be successful that we were getting, and I say we because I see you guys had some of the double-digit draft picks that I did, uh, and, and I felt pretty excited about these guys. I was I was excited that I could get Robbie Anderson. I like volume of catches. I was excited that in every draft I could get him in the 15th round. Corey Davis, they were just giving away. Uh, and many times he wasn't even drafted. to get him at the very end of the draft. And so I consider myself right about those guys, and I could tar- or tar- target them and get a bonus. And then you guys targeted Diggs from Buffalo, and I targeted Devin Singletary. And a great team for scoring mm-hmm. touchdowns, and Devin Singletary uh, can't get them. That was my miss. Singletary was my miss. Anderson and, and Davis were my overperforming guys that uh, I, I was able to get in every draft. Do you guys have any stories like that, somebody that, that you targeted that was very, very successful for you, and, and somebody that you wish you, uh, you, you wish that the guy in front of you would have? Please pick it. <laughs> uh, well, I'll go. I'll go ahead and do the one we uh, the, the regret we have, and and I, I take full responsibility for it. And that was uh, Le'Veon Bell for sure in the uh, fourth round. I think I was driving the uh, Le'Veon Bell redemption tour bus. Um, I was all in. I, I sold Larry a bill of goods on that. Uh, I think I, I, I had him set up to go buy a jersey. I was so pumped up about Le'Veon Bell. Wow. Um, but you look at the running back <laughs> that went after him. In our league, it was Fournette. And after that, it was Cam Akers and then Mostert. So, I mean, it, it led us to picking up J.D. McKissick in the end. So, you know, it wasn't that bad in the end. <laughs> as far as a letdown, though, that was definitely it. Yeah, that was that was rough. But the uh, the Kelsey pick was, was our lock, and it, it – last few years I mean he's just been consistent and we didn't miss on that being you know even using our first pick for a tight end in the um, eighth spot I mean I don't regret that at all I think he was he was a a great pick there Um, we we do have a couple of listener emails that I want to get to here um, and I'm going to let Larry handle the first one Andrew I'll let you have the second one here but Larry uh, Gary actually in San Francisco writes in how much of what we saw down the stretch from David Montgomery is for real. Do you think he'll be overdrafted next year? Nice job on a great season. That's from Gary in San Francisco. Thank you for the email, Gary. And you guys had Montgomery on this team uh, that, that really, you know, helped you down the, the, the stretches as, as Montgomery came through when it counted most for his, uh, his fantasy managers uh, for certain, but Larry, is that going to drive up his price? 
to a spot you guys probably aren't going to be willing to pay next year? Most likely. <laughs> just uh, just being honest. Um, one, he's a bear, so we have to prove our fandom when we make our picks to show that we're <laughs> not just doing it based on the fact that we want a player from that team. Um, but he he he's going to be fine. I think that, yes, he is going to be overdrafted next year. Uh, I think he's still going to be able to produce. I think they're going to upgrade that line. And the fact that he was able to do what he did with that line, um, and we felt really good about what he was going to do this season, just his mentality, the way he approaches the game, uh, he's out there to play and, and put up numbers. So I think he will be drafted higher next year, and uh, I, uh, I do think he's worth it, though. But probably not for us. <laughs> The uh, the Washington football team is actually going to be in action uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Jack in Dallas has a question about the WFT here. Uh, Angie can handle this one. How do you all feel about Gibson and McLaurin from Washington? If they get a better quarterback in 2021, should these guys both be drafted in the first three rounds? We saw flat. By the way, thank you for the email, Jack in Dallas. We saw flashes of Gibson throughout the year. He obviously had the toe issue. Towards the end, he still doesn't look fully healthy to me. McLaurin obviously dealt with some injuries here, but when he was at his best, he was awesome. Um, I, I got to believe that Washington will be looking to upgrade the quarterback position, given that they're going into hosting a playoff game, probably with Taylor Heinke uh, uh, starting and Alex Smith maybe rotating in here or there. But Andrew, Gibson and McLaurin, are these top three round picks for you guys next year? Are, are these going to be players that you would select within the first 36 selections? Well, I think for us, Gibson probably wouldn't be. Um, I think he will in most mocks and in a lot of other teams will probably target him early. Um, it's all dependent on the quarterback um, as far as Terry McLaurin goes. Like if, if Washington goes out and gets a Jameis Winston next year, um, I think Terry McLaurin could have a monster year and is absolutely worth drafting in the top 36. And he, he's, I mean, he vaults so high up uh, with a, a good quarterback. Think about the numbers he's putting up. He put up with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I mean, that, that dude was, I mean, he was awful. I mean, he was just flat out awful. And Alex Smith can't throw the ball further than 15 yards. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to evaluate Terry McLaurin right now, but I, yeah, with like with a competent quarterback, uh, I, I think Terry McLaurin is, is in for a monster year next year. Yeah, that could be, that could be uh, what Williamson is looking for, for the next, uh, for the next digs. And, you know, the thing I loved about McLaurin guys is, is, is you didn't hear at least, at least from here, maybe our man from Virginia can clue us in, but I didn't hear very much complaining at all. You know, he, he seemed to be no. a, a strap it up and play wide receiver. You know, it, in the FFPC playoff challenge, uh, you guys, uh, I hope you're playing. I hope you're playing often. And I want to hear from each of you. So we'll, start, we'll start with you, Andrew, and then we'll go to Larry. Uh, I, re- I really would like to hear one or maybe two players, um, that uh, a player that you, you've got to have, and I think I already know I'm going to hear Kelsey come through you, and one player that you would never consider putting on these rosters. Uh, Andrew, you're a first in there. Uh, the guy that would definitely roster is Aaron Jones. Uh, I think that with the injuries on the offensive line of Bakhtiari uh, for, for Green Bay, uh, it's going to impact the pass rush and, and, the, and the, um, the blocking for Aaron Rodgers. So I think the way they can slow that down is, is by getting the ball to Aaron Jones. And he had a great year. Um, you notice Green Bay did a lot of passing at the goal line. Um, I, I think they're going to be running the ball a whole heck of a lot if they want to go deep. So I think Aaron Jones is, is the guy you got to have um, in your lineup. And as far as the fade goes, um, you know, I, I would say probably, and this is only because I don't think they're going to have a good game. It's not analytics or anything like that. I, I would mm-hmm. fade Derrick Henry. Um, I, I think Baltimore is going to beat them. Um, and I don't think that Tennessee is going to be able to run the ball effectively and be able to run the ball as much as they probably want to um, in order to stay in that game. So for that reason, um, I'm out on Derrick Henry. And see, I'm going to start by saying that with Tennessee, it's down to one or the other. And that's that if you think they're going to win, you go with Derrick Henry. If you think they're going to lose, you go with Brown. Um if they're going to lose, they're going to end up throwing it near the end of the game is what I think, and Brown's going to end up accumulating some nice points for you in a loss. Um, but if you think 
they're going to win, you got to go with Henry. I don't think you fade Tennessee. I think you fade the Rams. Fading the Rams. And, and yeah. just got yeah. too much going on, you know. So, yeah. And, and I have had – I've had trepidation, as Balky would say. When I go to that Rams <laughs> roster, because I want to put some of those players in my lineup, I just can't do it. I, I just yeah. – and, and, I, and I play – I tinker with it and move players around, but I just cannot get – uh, a Rams player in the lineup. So I think I would have to fall in with you guys. Um, I think I would exactly have to fall in with you guys in that, in that thinking. And uh, yeah, that's, that's good evaluation. I, it's it sometimes, you know, like, so the, the play, yes, the, the playoff challenge this year, obviously, you, you know, it's a 12 person lineup instead of a 10 player lineup. So you get to include two more uh, teams or two more players. You still have to fade two teams. And I feel like, kind of what Farrell was saying, guys, like, I don't know if you feel the same way, not necessarily about the Rams, but any team. If, if you can't find a guy you like on that team, then maybe that team is, should be one of the fades. You know, even, even a team, you, you think about what the Rams did this year um, with, with Woods and Cup, two of the better receivers out there. They were awesome. Cam Akers, when he was right, man, he was awesome. You think about that Rams defense, and, and maybe Jared Goff, you, you don't really consider as much. But if you can't find anybody you like, I, I think you got it's, – it's like uh, the rounders thing. If you can't spot the sucker at the table within the first half hour, then you're the sucker. <laughs> if you can't find a player that you like after tinkering for 30 minutes off that team, then that's the fade team, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. solid to me. <laughs> I mean, there's just too I, much I like in that the air the with the Rams. <laughs> Oh, no, yes. no, 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 not the Browns. The Browns game is going to be fun. All right. The Browns game, they've got players and they're going to go out there and they're going to, they're going to have people like Jarvis Landry who are going to, they're going to show out even in a loss. That's what I think. Yeah, I think so um, too, guys. That's it. That's it. Our guys against the world mentality. We don't have our head coach mm-hmm. here. Uh, we don't have a lot of things going for us, but out of this chaos, uh, we can, we can, uh, uh, definitely show some glimmers of hope and, and play, and I, I think I think that's a good way. And then Pittsburgh's got a lot of questions. Uh, you look at them, yeah. like you, you, every snap of the ball, every side, offense and defense, it's just got a lot of questions that I'm not sure they they're ready to answer yet. That's they're going to miss that head coach and that play call it though. Yeah, I think you're right, Farrell. I I I think you're 100% right on that uh, for sure. It's still going to be an entertaining weekend, um, uh, no doubt. Uh, one final question. You guys have been so gracious with your time, I, and and uh, I, I know we gotta we gotta let you go and and get you uh, let you get set to to prep for uh, 22 hours of football this weekend. But uh, Larry, you can answer this first. What do you plan to do with uh, with your cut of that thirty thousand dollars? And then Andrew, uh, if you have any uh, plans for the cash, uh, please let us know as well. Well, you know, 2020 was a tough year, so it's it's uh, been helpful to help you know kind of catch up on everything. Um, but me and my wife put a lot of the money into the um, business, and so we bought some new equipment and everything and uh, trying to get geared up for a big year with that. So it's definitely going to help us uh, with a positive 2021 outlook. It's going to pay dividends. There you go. That's right. Andrew, what about you? For for me, it it almost exactly covers the rest of my MBA program. Uh, that I'm doing for my master's. So wow. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I don't have to go out of pocket anymore. I can uh, just, just go <laughs> straight from winnings, and you can't beat that at all. Well, here's, here's, here's what's clear, guys. Um, you, you have one team, your first ever, your only football guys team ever. You take second place overall. God only knows what happens if you get two teams next year. It, it could you could set the fantasy world on 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 its side. You know nobody's gonna be talking about anybody going back to back in the football guys players championship. You guys uh, certainly have everything going for you right now, and I'm glad we got to pick your brains tonight. Uh, good luck. I know you guys are in both playoff challenges, so good luck on that. I uh, wish you nothing but the best. You get another shot at a $500,000 grand prize over the course of these NFL playoffs. Thanks for making some time with us. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Happy we'll New see you in the main event. event. We are entering that. You, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Main event next year. So there you go. So the uh, second place in football guys this year, first place in the main next year, it has a nice ring to it. Mm. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys. Andrew Burroughs, Larry Bent, ladies and gentlemen, the runners-up in the Football Guys Players Championship this past year. Uh, Farrell, it, it's their first ever 
football guys uh, team, and, and they finished second place overall. For anybody, th- these are the people I always love to have on because uh, so many people have this misconception like, oh, you got to max out in this contest to do anything. Well, these guys uh, had one team in their right. career and they took second place overall. It, it can happen to, to anybody. You're exactly right. And it's going to happen to two guys that relate to them. So, you know, they relate in the world uh, with each other like they do. And, you know, they're serious guys. They get, they've got kids. They've got uh, education to pay for and business equipment to buy. You know, it makes you feel good they won the money. You had some winnings down here, Balky, uh, enough to roll over and make sure everything gets paid for for next year. Uh, but if you want a big prize like that, uh, what would you be doing with it? I don't know uh, because I've never really – well, I mean, like, we, we won the, um, the NFFC primetime in 2008, myself and, and Dizzle and, and, right. um, and, uh, and Kurt, um, and we split that up. And quite frankly, I don't even remember what I did. I remember I got the cash for it, and then I don't know what, mm-hmm. what I did with it. I, I, I think I, I, I bought some DVDs I had wanted for a while, um, and then I just – I don't know uh, – it, I just sort of lived off it for. If I won five hundred thousand dollars, though, Farrell, I can't. Like, I don't even know what I would do. Uh, quite frankly, I'd pay off the rest of my student loans for sure. Uh, that'd be number one. I, I'd invest a good chunk of it into uh, Kentucky. That'd probably be number two. Yeah. And then after that, I don't know. I'd throw a wild naked party for me and all my friends. That would, that would probably be number three. That's a good investment. You know, I look. <laughs> if I were to win, Balky. I would pay off your student loans, and then I would uh, spend a a little more time uh, uh, hanging out with uh, the the Dizzle, as you say, and uh, and Drew Maselli, and maybe meeting those guys in Vegas, uh, uh, take the girlfriend to Europe, and uh, probably, uh, you know, get the liquor cabinet really, really, uh, uh, you know, a good investment in, in, in some bourbon in there, and I don't know. The rest of it, I just probably waste. But you know, that, <laughs> that's, that's who really said that. Great. That was who, who? That was what was the pitcher? Was it McGraw? Tug McGraw that said that? No, I, um, oh, did Tug say that? I get beat on all the good lines. I tell you, I, he was something. Um, oh man, this is. He said um, something to the effect of of um, about getting paid or a contract or like if he would have oh, gotten. Oh, I think it's Mickey Mantle, Balky. I think it's Mickey. Mantle. Oh, okay. I think so. I, and he said, "Well, I probably, I probably spend uh, half of it on good times, uh, Irish whiskey, and and wild women, and the other half I'd probably just waste." <laughs> Which is yeah. such a, such a great, <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, good stuff. Always good to talk to uh, to uh, people about that and, and share your uh, get your thoughts on it as well. Uh, Farrell, for the last couple minutes of the show, I want to help as many people as we can with the uh, FFPC playoff challenge. Which, 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 by the way, uh, Bourbon City Ballers, Kevin Williamson, already reporting that it is down to 534 teams. I just checked now. We're down to 528 teams, which means in the course of this hour, we've almost sold out um, 100 teams. At that pace, maybe it won't make it till the morning, and it will sell out overnight. So make sure you're getting involved in that right now. If you're already in, you want to know what to do for your lineups, let's help people out like Mike in Baltimore. Happy playoffs, guys. I'm having a tough time picking which Steelers receiver to go with, for your playoff challenge. Any advice? Thanks. That is Mike in Baltimore. Mike, thank you for the email. So you got Claypool, you got Smith Schuster, and you got Deontay Johnson. Farrell, one of these guys stands out a little bit more than the other two for me. Who do you think is is your guy here? If you want to finish in the money, win some money, make money on your entry, Deontay Johnson, because they keep wanting to throw and throw and throw the ball to him. If you want to win the whole thing, if you want to come down and have a player on the Steelers that can win you the whole thing, that's Claypool. I couldn't agree with you more, and that's exactly how I feel about it. I think Deontay Johnson's probably going to be the most owned, but Chase Claypool, who knows, Sunday night, maybe he has like six catches for 170 yards and three touchdowns or two touchdowns, something like that. He's had these big plays, uh, big play games before. He certainly could do it again. Now, I don't know how deep the Steelers are going to go, but if they are going to keep winning, um, it's certainly going to be more exciting and having the higher upside of Chase Claypool in your lineup than it will be having the, you know, granted, higher floor, but limited upside of, of Deontay Johnson, who's probably going to be like a, a six for 70, uh, an eight for 90 type of player, and that probably won't be and- 500,000. And he also draws Denzel Ward in week one, as I think about it. 
Ooh, that's a good point on Sunday night for sure. Yeah, in that Brown Steelers matchup. Uh, yeah, so we are both saying Claypool is the guy to own there. Uh, let's go on here and talk a little Buccaneers for Randy in Asheville, North Carolina. Dear Balky and Farrell, with everyone talking of Brady, Evans, Godwin, and Gronk, I can't help but think that Ronald Jones is the right guy to choose from Tampa for the FFPC Playoff Challenge. What are the chances I'm correct? Thank you, Randy in Asheville, North Carolina, for your email. You know, I, I, don't, I haven't made up my mind about Tampa here yet. Um, I, I was kind of sharing my thoughts in, in the chat room um, with uh, uh, Hudson Reeve uh, about the Bucks receivers. What about a pivot to Ronald Jones considering, um, you know, the, the, the fact that Brady will probably spread the ball around, but there is one dominant running back on this team, and it's Ronald Jones. If you've got 12 teams, you know, having Ronald Jones will pivot you somewhere uh, south of uh, 500th place, I think. This, is, uh, this team's going to win throwing the ball. Uh, the last four games, Brady, 399, 348, 390. He had 196 against Minnesota, but two touchdowns and a 120 passer, uh, passer rating. Uh, this team is designed to score points now with this quarterback at the helm. Look at the teams they're playing. You can't run against Washington. You're going to beat them in the air. And in the situation with Green Bay, uh, that game's going to be a shootout once they get past Washington which I do believe that Tampa will be the lowest winning seed and, uh, and head to Green Bay uh, uh, to play next weekend. So, so these, these games are going to be determined through the air, uh, not with Ronald Jones. What a great week-to-week player. He's not right for this contest. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're uh, right on that. Just, um, you know, the, you need the explosive upside, and, and certainly the, the fact that there is so much explosion on that team that's not in the backfield, that's going to hamper Ronald Jones as well. Farrell, do you have any upsets this weekend, any upsets that you foresee here in this first round? I think the Rams can upset Seattle, and I think it's even more possible if, if the backup quarterback plays because I think, it will, yeah. I think wow. it will invigorate and energize the team, and I think that would be – I think if, if golf does not go, it does not really ruin the team's chances to come out of Seattle – uh, uh, with a victory. I don't really see uh, uh, another upset. It is possible that if the Steelers continue to have problems at the quarterback position and executing the offense, and with Cleveland with such a dominating rushing game, you know, we say that the head coach is not going to be there to call the plays. Uh, you, you don't you don't need uh, too much uh, exciting play calling to hand the ball to Chubb and Hunt so what I would do if I was this team, I would I would run Chubb, I would run Hunt, and when I wanted to pass, I would pass the ball to the same guys uh, with Jarvis Landry as a safety valve. And that's, uh, yeah, you know, they're the team, uh, and, and I have a pan to Baker Mayfield consistently as we've talked. But Baker Mayfield, just because I don't necessarily like his style, doesn't mean that he is a great competitor, it uh, doesn't mean that he isn't a great communicator and a, and a leader for this team. So you've got a wild card there with that kind of mentality at quarterback that uh, could take that Browns team uh, to a victory. So, yeah. Um, Farrell, a question from the chat. Uh, Hudson uh, wants to know how deep you think Baltimore goes in the playoffs this year. Obviously they face Tennessee, uh, in the first round, um, that should be a hotly contested game. But if they're able to get mm-hmm. by the Titans, do you see them making a deep push into the in maybe as deep as uh, to the AFC Championship? Yeah, they've got the defense and they've got the quarterback that no one can stop now that he's decided to run the ball. And um, the guys know that Tennessee is my kryptonite. I can never predict what they're going to do. <laughs> Whatever side I choose, uh, they land on the other side. Uh, I, I, so I look at the coach and I look at the quarterback uh, in, in this matchup. You look at the running backs, you, you know, the advantage goes to Tennessee, but that's a, that's a rhythmic uh, situation. And the quarterback has to, uh, or the head coach from, from Tennessee has to devote himself to getting that ball to Henry. Henry's a great second-half player. Uh, they may be down on the scoreboard at halftime. Installed, uh, uh, Baltimore's installed, I think, is a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite. 
And I think that, I think Las Vegas has it right. Um, two more emails here. Let's see if we can fly through these and, and, and help uh, two more people out, Farrell. Uh, Micah in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. I think the right bill to play this year in the playoff challenge is either Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs. So which one would you go with? Thanks so much for all you guys do. Thank you, Micah, for your email. We appreciate it. Farrell, do you have a good um, sense of, of Allen or Diggs? I, I think if you think the Bills are going to the Super Bowl, maybe Allen is the right play. Uh, if you don't, uh, then maybe Diggs is the right call here. I think that's you sort of got to figure out how deep you think Buffalo is going before you can make the decision between these two players. Deep is a key point. Dig, Micah, dig into your wallet by another team. You have one team with Allen <laughs> and one team with Diggs because you don't want to walk around all spring saying, well, if I had only played Diggs or if I had only played Allen, you're going to need to play them both if you believe in Buffalo. And Buffalo has a great chance uh, to get to the Super Bowl and, and to play an opening weekend. And not every team has that. So, uh, yeah, you, you, can, you could debate this up until kickoff, and, and it, it would drive you crazy. So if you believe in the Bills like a lot of people do, you play two teams, you play both these guys. Yeah, uh, Micah, uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm not here to – um, force you to play another team, but you just heard it from Farrell. You probably want to play another team. Oh, I am. You got to play another team. You got to play another team. Final email tonight. This has actually been a popular uh, question that, that I've been asked a lot this week. Bill in Sylvan Beach, uh, New York writes, assuming Travis Kelsey is the chalkiest play this year in the uh, FFPC challenge, like everyone is saying, which tight end or tight end should I pivot to? That is from Bill in uh, Sylvan Beach, New York. I think the the popular ones would be Guys like Mark Andrews, maybe Logan Thomas. You want to cash in on, on a flex for Logan Thomas in, in maybe only one game, but it's a game he could get 12 catches in. Who knows? Uh, certainly he would be in play as well. Don't forget about uh, Bobby Tanyan, or Tanyan, excuse me, in Green Bay. I think he's another guy uh, that you could certainly look at. Or Gronk uh, in, in Tampa. Did, did I miss any? Are there any others, Farrell, that, that you think you should look at in this challenge? Again, tight end premium. My answer is Tanyan. Uh, and it's an easy answer for me. And he separates from all of the other players. And for two reasons, he's successful with scoring touchdowns, much like Kelsey, in the red zone and out of the red zone. He's got the kind of quarterback that can make all the throws and go through the progressions to get to him. And if you look at the secondary of any of these teams, especially the ones that are going to advance into next weekend, they are very, very successful at the corners. They've all got corners that can play. They can shut down a passing game. They can disrupt wide receivers at the offensive line. Yeah, and and it's it's uh, leads to uh, talented quarterbacks looking for someone else to throw to. And that's where this kid has has paid dividends for Rodgers all year, and he'll certainly pay dividends here. Now, Andrews is an excellent choice, too, uh, if they get past uh, Tennessee. But he still does not produce uh, in scoring the touchdowns uh, that Tunyon can. And let's look back at what's going to happen when we see Tampa going to Green Bay. We expect a lot of points in that game. It's hard for me to imagine that uh, the Green Bay tight end doesn't score a touchdown there. And Logan Thomas, no, you shouldn't be there. Too much red zone foolery and trickery to to go with Cook. Um, if you if you for a minute thought that Chicago was going to somehow win that game, um, Jimmy Graham becomes interesting. But those are just uh, you know you just just might as well go buy a, a lottery ticket. Uh, because now you're just guessing. <laughs> uh, by the way, I just checked FFPC scoring uh, this year. Uh, Robert Tunyon finished as the number five tight end uh, as far as total points go for tight ends this year. And out of those top five, uh, he is third among uh, tight ends in the NFL playoffs. So maybe um, certainly the, the, the Rodgers teams, Adams teams, uh, Aaron Jones teams, they, they will be much more owned than, than Robert Tunyon. Um, but Tunyon could be the wild card that could help you to a half million dollars. I've seen stranger things, Farrell. I like your analysis here, and it could be right. Uh, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I am going to uh, bid you adieu, and I can't wait to get, pick your brain 
uh, next Friday when we when we do the show again, and not only will we have six uh, wild card or three, yeah, six wild card games to go through, but we're going to have four games, uh, divisional games to preview as well. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. These these uh, these next two weekends, a lot of great football, a lot of great conversations with you. Thank you, buddy. As you say, your weekend starts now, so you might as well go ahead and do it. Thank you, Farrell. I certainly appreciate that. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, uh, KFFSC.com is where to go to join that competition uh, for sure. Um, next year, you compete against me, Bourbon City Ballers, Waskai. We'll all be in it. We can't wait to, uh, to, uh, to get down there, draft our teams, and then uh, compete all season long. If you want to compete right now, don't forget the FFPC Playoff Challenge filling up fast, down to 515 teams. This is uh, less than 9% is, is open right now. So if you want to jump in, take your chance at a half-million-dollar grand prize. You never know. Sometimes these teams that join last, uh, for whatever reason, they always seem to have a knack for, for being the ones that cash big. So get in on that right now, myffpc.com. I want to send out some, uh, some congrats and thank yous tonight before I sign off. Number one, happy 45th wedding anniversary to my parents who will be celebrating that on uh, Sunday, actually, 45 years uh, together. Incredible stuff. So congratulations to my mom and my dad. I want to thank uh, Andrew Burroughs, Larry Bent, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you for hanging out, listening, and uh, trying to uh, use our advice to win a half million bucks this weekend in the FFPC. Um, Mike Edelman is on the high stakes lowdown. Don't forget about that. Rotoviz.com slash podcast or anywhere you get your podcast. That was a fun uh, show to record and uh, hopefully a fun listen for you guys as well. Uh, register for that FFPC playoff challenge. Don't forget at myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale to pick up some dynasty orphans. Check out all the prices there. Check out all the teams that are available. Start with dynasty today as well. Next Friday, 10, 9 central, main event, third place finisher, overall Jerry Palmer will be our guest. He'll talk with me and Farrell next week. Enjoy the NFL playoffs. Good luck in the NFL playoff challenge. Your super wild card weekend. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Don't forget our outro music provided by Frederick the Younger. Check out all their music, frederickthejounger.com, quiethollers.com. Uh, great music, uh, Louisville-based bands. Uh, always good to hear them on these programs. Um, on this program, I should say. One other thing, I, I remembered this a couple of days ago, and I will be updating it on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour website. Uh, Dave, who used to host this show with me, we had the I Got Five on it board. I haven't totaled it up for 2020 yet, and I got to see who won the 2020 I Got Five on it. Um, and I'm going to be updating the website on that. I'll probably make a mention of that next week if I get a chance to update it. Or Rob, I don't know who's going to update it, one of us. Um, and we'll let you know who won this past season. And then remind me and Farrell to get some bets going, too. I feel like uh, Farrell and I don't disagree enough on, on the show. We're going we're gonna to start bashing heads here and uh, having some fun with the I Got Five on it board. Good luck in the playoff challenge, everybody. If you uh, are, are looking to sneak in, uh, do it now uh, because it, probably early tomorrow morning um, it, it could be sold out. Uh, don't miss out. As Fair always says, don't be a wish I had and sign up now, myffpc.com. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you later.